every single person, 94% of people living in a country that has fortification, so US and Australia, has unmetabolized folic acid in their system. This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Hello, my Second Wind friends. Here we are with our Getting Your House in Order series with Dr. Carolyn Ladowski, and she has been on second win the podcast twice now. And the second time I decided to dive in and take the test for my MTHFR situation. If there was one or if there isn't one, I don't know the results. We're going to go over them today. And Dr. Carolyn is going to share with us the importance of understanding our MTHFR situations, the tests we can do. And how we can overcome and be healthiest, be our healthiest self, which is what we want to do, especially in our second win. So Dr. Carolyn Dowski, thank you again, all the way from Australia. I so appreciate You are welcome. So nice to be here again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's dive in. I, I spit into a tube. Yep. I sent it off. And now here we are. Where That's are right. we? And well, we were talking in the last podcast very much about folate and the importance of having an active folate as opposed to a synthetic folic acid. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about all the potential is issues that someone might have if they've got a low folate. So that could be immune deficiencies, it could be hormonal issues, it could be anxiety, depression. It could be fibromyalgia type um, conditions. It could be miscarriage. It could be infertility. There's so many things that are attributed to this lack of active folate. And we also touched on my thesis results, which showed, you know, 10 women, sorry, 12 women with infertility and MTHFR polymorphisms. And all of them had had multiple miscarriages, being diagnosed by a fertility specialist with infertility, and yet we still, we changed the form of folate. So we took them off folic acid, we put them on methylated folate, and we had 11 pregnancies and 10 no. successful live births. Oh my gosh. So this is the significance of MTHFR and having the right form of folate. And I actually think it's not even about MTHFR 
because I believe in my heart of hearts, what we're seeing in our clinical practice is that even if you don't have MTHFR, the amount of folic acid that people are getting just from the diet, remember we talked about all the foods that were fortified with folic acid and how to avoid them. Even if you have just that and are taking a supplement, I believe it affects your folate pathway. If we then consider that people have a genetic deficiency with making active folate, mm -hmm. then you can understand why there's so much infertility. 70 million couples have infertility. And this buildup of the wrong sort of folate has there actually been, there's a, there was a study done a few years ago that looked at postmenopausal women and showed that if you have higher levels of this unmetabolized folic acid in your system, it actually decreased your natural killer cell activity. So it's actually causing a problem with your immune system. Oh, wow. And so hmm. I think we have to wake up and we have to say to everybody, and, and I know that your cohort of people that listen to this are maybe post 50, mm -hmm. but they have to be taught saying to their daughters and their daughters-in-laws and any female that's even considering fertility, get off folic acid, get it, get out of it in the supplements, get out of it in the food. And I would have a broader thing and say everyone on the planet avoid foods with folic acid. Yeah. And unfortunately you were saying in the last episode that it's in everything packaged pretty much. Pretty much. Absolutely. And, but then these prenatal vitamins that are on the market, a lot of those have folic acid in them. Correct. So we have a methylated prenatal multivitamin in the US. It's available on Amazon. Okay. And you just put MTHFR support prenatal. And we'll put a link to that at the end if yeah, anyone's interested. That. Yeah, because my daughter's yeah. getting married in two weeks and you know, eventually. Well, she's gonna be she's gonna be thinking about it. Yeah. And so this is really, really important for all your listeners to be super aware and say to their, you know, all the women in the family, hey, you have to be checking both you and your partner for this. So that then brings us to your results. So Whoa. the test <laughs> So the testing that we look at is although there's about 30 MTHFR genes, there's two key ones we test primarily because there's a lot of research around them. Okay. And the research suggests that it affects us in many different ways. So the first one we look at is the C677T polymorphism. Polymorphism just means mutation. It means something that is different from the gene sequence we expect to see. Okay. So if you have a polymorphism, you have, you have a, a substitution or you have a change in your DNA sequence for that particular gene. So when we say C677T, it means that the DNA cytosine has been changed to a thymine at position 677 on chromosome one. Oh, wow. So that's, that, is, that is essentially the technical 
what what they're telling us is happening. Now you that, did that they, very well because I almost understand that. Okay, that's good. I kind of get it. That's good. Okay. <laughs> and so when we have, let's say, okay, your parents both donated one copy of that gene to you. And so you may have both parents donating that mutated copy. And that means your results would be homozygous, homo meaning the same. Mm -hmm. So if you are homozygous to C677T, it means both your mum and your dad gave you a mutated copy. And in terms of the down regulation of that enzyme, so this mutation causes the activity of the enzyme to work way slower. And if you are homozygous, it's up to 70% slower. And the enzyme for what? For, for, for what? the MTHFR gene that creates active folate. Okay. So okay. we're talking about your ability to make active folate. So if you are homozygous C677T, you only have 30% going through the system. Now, when you consider that that active folate basically runs your biochemistry, what we see with those people with C677T is cardiovascular issues because it can cause an increase in homocysteine, which is a cardiovascular risk marker. We see anxiety. We see depression. We see infertility. We see multiple miscarriage. We see immune deficiencies, uh, you know, amongst other things, that, but they're primarily the things we see. Okay. Now, for that same gene, if only your mum or dad gave you a mutated copy, so you only have one copy, we call that heterozygous, hetero being one. And that means that you have roughly about a 30 to 40% down regulation or 30 to 40% less ability to make activated folate. Same things. And in my thesis, we still found a lot of the women who had one copy were still the ones having miscarriages and not being able to fall pregnant. So I think it is in some instances, it's quite significant. So that's the C677T. Okay. Now the second gene, also MTHFR, is A1298C. So the DNA um, adenine is being changed to a cytosine at position 1298, chromosome 1. Now, we see less of the cardiovascular issues. Issues. It does not seem to raise homocysteine levels, but this is very much associated with depression. We see a lot of, not so much anxiety, but more depression in the homozygous A1298C. We also, from a fertility standpoint, we see that these women are still miscarrying. They've, because they've essentially got 
about a 40 to 50% down regulation of enzyme activity. Now, the tricky thing is, let's say you have one of each. So you have one of the C677T and you've got one of the A1298C. We call that compound heterozygous and that's a 50% down regulation. So essentially, all these mutations or polymorphisms are causing the enzyme to not work as best they should. So think of this scenario. Let's say you've got this, your homozygous for either one of them, and you start off and you're all right in your primary school years at school, but stress gets the better of you in high school. And the more you get into the work, the more stressed you get, it's like a deficit. So instead of the people without any polymorphisms, they can create their methylfolate, which keeps their stress response under control. But if you've got a mutation, you get a deficit. So let's say you have a stressful event, maybe you get sick, and then you've got exams on top of it. And Epstein-Barr virus um, or glandular fever is a classic example. We see that in you know the teenage years, and they get sick, they get stressed, and then hormones are kicking in, and everything starts to go haywire. So you've got this bucket that is really not filling up enough to control your stress, but you don't have the capacity to make up. And you're young and you're going out and you're going to parties and you're not getting enough sleep and you're probably eating fast food and you're not, you know, really looking after yourself. So the bucket gets emptier and emptier and emptier. And the more the environmental influences hit us, the bigger the deficit becomes Mm -hmm. to a point where we break. And it's either mental, it's physical, it's and then it's very, very hard to catch up. So what we like to say, particularly you know, it doesn't really matter at what age you address it, but knowing as a child that you have this deficit is incredibly powerful because you can say, right, we just plug up the deficit, we we fill up the bucket so that you can control stress and it doesn't get the better of you and you don't break along the way. And, and when so, you're talking, can I just ask a really quick question? So when you're talking yeah. about um one of one of the things downfalls of having this is inflammation, right? Yep. Okay. Well, yes. And and detoxification, because we need this folate to help our pathways that support detoxification, we find people with these mutations have a very difficult time in getting the detoxification pathways, particularly glutathione, which is our major antioxidant we get a deficit in that. So what happens, we have such a chemically laden and heavily toxic environment. Again, you start to see things like multiple chemical sensitivity Mm. and allergies and not, you know, getting headaches or perhaps getting migraines because you are not getting rid of chemicals. And if we look 10, 15 years ago, we could detox pretty well. But we've now got the duo problem in that we've got more toxicity 
and we've got folic acid blocking our good folate. And when you're talking about detoxing, you're not talking about us going to the supermarket or the pharmacy and buying a, tea, a detox kit. This is what no. our body does naturally. Is what Absolutely. You're talking about. And yes. we're clogging up these things and that's why we get heavy metals. Like, yes. Um, yes. And all these and things. Because our body can't so, deal with it. That's exactly right. And the, okay. and the systems that detox heavy metals rely on methylfolate. Interesting. So if you can't make your methylfolate because you have this mutation, you can see how toxicity starts to build up. Wow. And, okay. And then it influences other genes in the pathway and puts a heavy burden on those as well. Okay. But it doesn't actually change the other genetic structures, does it? If with too much no. okay no but what it does do is because the deficit is there and these other pathways rely on the ingredients that the methylfolate makes it becomes a knock-on effect so if you don't have your cofactor which is methylfolate to make other enzymes work you then get deficits in those and right. the things that we know really rely on methylfolate is, for example, detoxing estrogens out of the body. Now, that's so relevant to postmenopausal women because they've got a lifelong estrogen buildup, many of them, plus our environment is so estrogenic. And I believe that's one of the reasons we get so much postmenopausal breast cancer because we're not looking after our ability to detox these toxic estrogens. We Would also, that also be, I'm sorry to interrupt. Is that also like maybe why we gain weight in absolutely. the section and, um, and you, you, no matter what you do, you just can't lose it kind of thing? Absolutely. Okay. The other thing that, that um, makes that build up is toxicity. Right. So if you're not detoxing, and you've got a lot of toxicity in the body, many of these toxins need fat to store it. So you have to have more fat to store the toxins. So are you saying your body will actually store more fat because it needs it? It's like, oh my gosh, I need you to clean out the closet so I can put more shit in the closet. So I'm going to grab more fat and create more fat pockets to store this stuff because I, yes. I don't have any other place to put it. Yes. Oh my gosh. All right. Okay. So you're starting to see this knock-on effect. Yeah. And so I believe understanding key genomic deficiencies is critical to your health. And it does not matter whether you are three or 93. You need to know where your deficit is because it can help you not end up where perhaps your parents ended up or where your sister ends up. And so if we look at, so I got endometriosis when I was 22. Now, endometriosis is an estrogen dominant condition. And so it, for me, if I had known then, what I know now, mm -hmm. I just would have taken supplements to support it. When I look at my genetics, 
I absolutely know I have phase one and phase two genetic deficits in clearing estrogen. Now, when my children, my two girls, um, hit puberty, I immediately started them on those um, supplements. And so, touch wood, they've had no hormonal issues. But what's really interesting is that my sister's daughter has just been diagnosed with endometriosis. Oh, wow. And I've said to her for years and years, she needs to be on these supplements. But, you know, life gets busy and she hasn't done it. So it's in the family. We know it's in the family. And these are the things that's so powerful about understanding your genomic susceptibility. It's incredibly powerful. Even I believe Alzheimer's and, you know, cognitive decline, if you can understand, for example, phosphatidylcholine is key to keeping that brain function good. Guess what? To make it, you have to have methylfolate. Oh, my gosh. I know you really, this is, you know, you just don't hear about it. And it's such, it's like the key. It seems like it's the, the, the missing ingredient for us figuring out finally the overall health picture. Yes. Understanding your genetic susceptibility is the most powerful thing that you can do. Really, really powerful. And I'm excited to say um, that we have also just um, got a US practitioner as part of our team. So even though we see patients all around the world, we've got now a dedicated US practitioner as part of our group. So There's a lot of support for any of your people. I I really want your listeners to understand it does not matter your age. Don't think because you're 75 that this isn't relevant. It is so relevant because that is really powerful stuff to to make sure that you are healthy, particularly postmenopausally. So, Dr. Carolyn, are you saying that once we know, no matter what age we are, we can fix it? We can definitely improve it. Okay. So let's, let's imagine that someone has Parkinson's disease. That's a really yeah. good example. And we can see the, the deficiency. So I've had a few Parkinson's patients and MS patients where I look at their genetic susceptibility and I say, you know what, there's a few things here that you've got really big potholes in and I think that's contributing to some of your symptoms and I have have a couple of MS patients where I've looked at it they were homozygous MTHFR they had a lot of B12 deficiency genes and we've actually managed to stop their symptoms so the disease has not progressed in 10 years and their symptoms are like reduced to 20% of what they were when they first saw us. So I think you may not be able to reverse something that is 30 or 40 or 50 years old, but I do believe you can arrest it to stop it progressing. And if and sometimes, yes, you can reverse it, but you can't always. But I think you can definitely improve and significantly reduce symptoms. Dr. Ledowski, you're going to be like famous because (laughs) everything that you're doing, if you're not already, you need to be because this message is huge and we're missing it. 
we are that. missing it. And, and that's what it. I guess that's why I'm so passionate because we we are missing it. We are absolutely missing it. And I think we're being too politically correct. And I I want to really say that I believe in my heart of hearts, folic acid is the new smoking. Yeah. And you, you know, said, we, we, yeah, you, we both agreed it's the money that it keeps us sick. I, I, I just don't, I, you know, I don't believe and I don't want to believe it's all money. But what I do believe is that people dismiss and say, well, look, we've always used folic acid. That's the way we should be going forward. Therefore, let's just continue. And unfortunately, you know, when I had to take my clinician's hat off and put my research hat on, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. And my supervisors brought me kicking and screaming into that research mold. You know, it was really difficult because research is historically about 30 years behind clinical practice because you have to have so much evidence before anyone will even change their mind and that's the very difficult thing so you've got these specialists turning around to tell infertility patients mthfr does not matter and it's just wrong (sighs) oh my gosh well we we just got to keep talking we've just got to keep we've got to keep talking we've got to keep plugging it away and i think it's it's your listeners that will then go and say to their daughters and their daughters-in-laws and their their cousins and aunts by the way just make sure you check for this gene here's the link just check for the gene because this is super important here's a link to a free webinar can you just watch this webinar we have to as women be the leaders in this. We're already the leaders in health. We are the ones that control the health of most families. So it's up to us to be able to say, listen, this is a really important thing you need to do. And here's all the links you need to look at. Just do it. Yep. Yep. You're right. Okay. All right. We've got to do it. So this comes back to your results. Now, drum roll. <laughs> so we, we, we actually said in the last pod, podcast, we, we suspected that you had this polymorphism. From what you were telling us, we suspected it. So your results came back as one copy of each. So you really? are compound heterozygous, yes, oh and therefore God. you have a 50% down regulation. All right, I have a question for you right off the bat. I had miscarriages. Uh-huh. I had like well, they- two in a row and then another one in between two kids. And I mean, it sounds like I could that could be one of the reasons. I would say it's probably 100% of the reason. Oh. We, we don't know your um, partner's MTHFR, but that would also be um, – we have to know that, particularly in an infertility um, sphere. But back then, you think about it, what is the one nutrient that your child will steal for you from you to ensure that it survives a pregnancy? 
folate. Oh, okay. <laughs> and what, what prenatal were that. you taking at the time? I was taking, you know, whatever that was prescribed to me. Folic acid. Probably. Yeah, it was. It was 400 milligrams of fol- folic acid was what you had to look for. Micrograms. Like yep. 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 Or micrograms. So, so there you go. So that's a classic example of your body did not have the biologically active folate, which is methylfolate. So you're after one pregnancy, you had a deficit. After two pregnancies, your bucket was nearly empty. So what happened? You had miscarriages. It's wow. a, it's, that, that is the classic scenario that we see is that you either don't fall pregnant in the first place or you're so robbed of folate plus you were taking the wrong form. I believe it's the wrong form. You know, from a research perspective, I'm not allowed to say that. But from a clinician's point of view, I say folic acid is the wrong form for you to be taking. Mm-hmm. You're you saying have it's not the right form for anyone to take though, correct? Yes, yeah. that's exactly what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, we get it out of our diet and we get it out of our, um, our supplements. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I, okay. was, I was actually reading a research paper this morning before I jumped on this call. And I've seen an incredible rise in men here in Australia. In fact, my best friend's husband died of renal cell carcinoma at the age of 50 mm. about five years ago. And I saw a paper this morning that says those men with MTHFR, C677T, heterozygous and homozygous are 1.2 and and 1.8 times more likely to get renal cell carcinoma. That's oh, a, my gosh. That's a kidney cancer. Now, as I said, I think folic acid is the new smoking. We have no idea yet what this is doing. We have, a, we have a whole generation of kids who are depressed, they're aggressive, yeah. they're, they're um, sick, their mental health isn't good, um, we have, we, we, and we have 70 million people who are infertile. Like you can't tell me there's, and, and I, was this, I was reading a, another paper this morning, it was actually a presentation that someone had sent me that says, they believe that the rise in autism part is partly due to folic acid. We there is a research paper, and I got a barrage of um, people contacting the clinic after it was released about a year and a half, two years ago. That said, late third trimester high levels of folate were attributed to. Um, uh, sorry. Autism is attributed to high levels of third trimester folate. But what they did not say is it was folic acid they were testing. So there's definitely way more. We also know from that research study in postmenopausal women that it affects their immune function. We also know there's papers telling us it is attributed to breast cancer and maybe prostate cancer. So we don't know the full ramifications of this yet, 
But what we do know is every single person, 94% of people living in a country that has fortification, so US and Australia, has unmetabolized folic acid in their system. 94%. That's incredible. So we don't know the ramifications of this yet, but there's over 3,500 studies on unmetabolized folic acid. That's the folic acid that builds up that is not being pushed down the folate cycle to make methylfolate. And we're just storing it. We're just storing it. And it's doing things to our system that it should not be doing. Anxiety, depression, immune dysfunction, potentially cancer. We have to wake up and look at these studies and go, well, you know what? Maybe this isn't the best thing for me to take. Maybe I do need to be doing what Carolyn's suggesting and taking it out of my diet and definitely not taking any supplements with it in it. Right. And so many have them in it. So many. So many. And yes, it might be a bit cheaper, but at the end of the day, it is just not worth it. Oh, gosh, no, no, no. So, so, so. I, I, I posed a challenge to you as well, because you wanted me to fill out all this stuff and I had to put not applicable being adopted. Yes. And although I found my birth mother, I still don't know a whole lot. And my birth father died, you know, late thirties or I'm somewhere in there. And, um, I don't know much. And I was telling you that I do know from a cousin on his side that all the women were heavy and, a lot of breast cancer mm. and, and uh, you thought that was interesting. So, yeah. And I think it's, I mean, it is, it is difficult if you don't know your, um, you know, the health history of your family, because that definitely gives you an indication of where you may head, head down in terms of susceptibility. But definitely with breast cancer, we're looking at the ability to clear toxic estrogen. And so methylfolate becomes important because, as I said, that's the cofactor for this. We call it the COMT gene, C-O-M-T, but mm-hmm. it stands for catechol o methyltransferase. So it is the main gene that gets rid or enzyme that gets rid of toxic estrogen. Also, glutathione makes that toxic estrogen less reactive. And so if we know that there's an MTHFR, we can have this knock-on, as we said, this low glutathione potential, which stops that detoxification. So things become important, like supporting that, number one. Um, and I notice there's a lot of gut issues with you. And so, you know, understanding also genetic susceptibility to gut is really key. So there's many genes that affect gut function. There are some that that suggest you may have a low hydrochloric acid and just giving hydrochloric acid support can be just life-changing for some of these people who are susceptible. We also know that certain genes make you less likely to have lactobacillus. And so these people, instead of having probiotics all the time, seem to be better when you give prebiotics which is the things that feed your probiotics so there's these little nuances that become then important for every individual and so doing 
detailed in, in, you know, in the case of people that are really sick, um, doing detailed genetic reports becomes very powerful because you are really looking at multiple sections, not just MTHFR, but you're looking at detox genes, you're looking at neurotransmitters that control brain function, you're looking at estrogen metabolism, you're looking at brain function, you're looking at fat metabolism. And so these become, and that's that's also the reason why, let's say, two people go into a mouldy house, one is fine and walks away and might just have a couple of headaches, but the second person falls in a heap and is sick then for the next 20 years. It's wow. your genetic susceptibility that makes you react differently to environmental factors. Okay. So, so for me, what, what, what does this mean? What does this mean? Because now I know that I'm 50% lower in my ability yes. Yes. to convert the gene, convert the... So, so the important thing now is to look at your bloods. Have a look at, and the bloods tell us a lot of information. So looking at a CBC and biochemistry and particularly your homocysteine level probably won't be elevated, but it's just good to look at what that level is. Mm -hmm. And one of the best um, uh, tests that we refer people to is what's called an organic acids test because mm -hmm. it gives you your biochemistry here and now. The other thing that would be very valuable for you given your family history of breast cancer is to do a, a, a hormonal test called a Dutch test. And the Dutch test is really valuable at looking at how effectively is your body detoxing and metabolizing estrogen down the pathways they should be going down. So that becomes, and I, I would actually recommend any single woman postmenopausally, that's probably the most important test for them to do. Really? Because we assume that just because you're not having periods, your estrogen's low. But no, estrogen, yes, you might be producing less, but it does not mean you haven't got a high toxic estrogen load. Yeah. Because you're just not clearing what you are making. And the more fat cells you have, the more estrogen you're going to make. Interesting. Ah, um, so what kinds of things could I expect to do once we're, we'll not do the protocol on this, obviously, but if you were to help someone like me, what kinds of things would I do as far as what would I see happening? What so the you first thing I would say to you is, one, you have got to get folic acid out of your diet and out of the supplements. That's the first step. Yeah. And just doing that for some people makes a huge difference to how they feel. So that's number one. Number two, I would, you sent me your, your, your gut seems to be the, the biggest issue that you have at the moment. And My so GI really, mapping, that's what I sent you. Your that GI mapping. Yeah. yeah. And so just being able to, fix that and look at the different bacteria because remember our gut is incredibly important for our immune function and our overall health. So addressing the things that become issues. So if it's gut first, then I would do unorganic acids and your bloods and then treat your gut. 
you don't seem to have what's typical for that A1298C or the compound heterozygous. Um, you don't seem to have neurological issues, but you do say that in your family, um, you know, there might be some sort of anxiety, maybe depression. You're not quite sure. Mm-hmm. And so making sure that these are balanced and you know exactly what you need to do going forward can help prevent you ending up that way. Um, but because it's balanced now, we would work on the things that we know are an issue. So obviously gut, but looking at your biochemistry right now, looking at the bloods, doing a full assessment of bloods, doing an organic acids test to say, okay, what are the deficits we are seeing and how might we turn that around? Because generally you're pretty good. Um, But we just need to make sure that going forward, there's no deficits that an environmental whatever that happens to be, you know, it could be COVID, it could be a virus, it could be, you know, gut dysfunction, it could be anything that hits you along Mm -hmm. the way. You Mm -hmm. want to be resilient that you can, you know, on your own cope with that and making sure that that methylfolate is at a good level gives you that resilience. And one question, if someone goes along and they don't want to find out and they just don't want to know, um, and they have what I have, what would be, what would we probably, I mean, it's hard. You can't, you don't have a crystal ball, but what would, I, what would someone probably see down the road if they just kept doing what they're doing and not they probably, yeah, they probably see what happened to their parents and their siblings is what's going to happen to them. So okay. your family health history is incredibly valuable because it shows us that that's where you're heading unless you address the potholes. Snapshot. Snapshot, yeah. So you can say, okay, there's there's breast cancer in my family. Unless I look at what's going on, I may end up there. So what can I do environmentally, diet-wise, and testing to make sure I don't. So people don't have to do genetic testing. They can still do the bloods and the organic acids and the Dutch testing to see where they fall. But if there are significant health issues, then being able to understand that genetic susceptibility, for me, it's like a roadmap Mm -hmm. um, of me being able to say, okay, Here's a big jigsaw puzzle. I know what pieces I need to put on that puzzle base first mm-hmm. and what things are super important and what things are not as important. So I'm going to lay the foundations now. And particularly when we're talking about anxiety and depression, that t- trumps all. You know, there's, it doesn't matter about gut function. If right here and now you're so depressed and so anxious, you can barely sit, sit there. So that's our f- always our first treatment is anxiety and depression. What is the number one thing? That's it. We right. then start saying, okay, well, you've got gut dysfunction, which may be contributing to that anxiety and depression. So that's our step two. And by the way, we've, put, we've, we've highlighted the fact in your bloods that your thyroid function isn't good. So why might that be? So let's look at the key nutrients you need for thyroid function 
and let's see if you're sufficient in those. And so it then becomes this triage of what's the most important and where do we then move to keeping in mind your family history and, okay, we know that that's where you're susceptible, so that's what we're going to test now. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I have I have another question and and this is how we we found I found you was um I had a friend from high school commit suicide and mm-hmm. you know she had it all going for our brilliant beautiful fabulous family everything you could possibly want and we were all shocked by it and I saw your thing about anxiety and depression and folate and folic acid and the gene and all this stuff. And I, and I would had wondered, Hmm, I wonder if that could have prevented that. So my question is, is the pandemic and what we have all gone through is, so that's a thing, right? And then would you, would you hypothesize or gather or guess people who have their, their, their genes in order, <laughs> um, or things are working properly, would not succumb to some of the things we're seeing from the pandemic as far as anxiety and depression and suicide and all these things? Um, or is it you, you, it's a pandemic, so anybody can have this happen? Because that's what everybody's saying. Mm. But some people have done very well with it, and some people have not. Yes. And I, you know, what, what, what do you think? It's a really, it's a really good question. And I think there's a combination of answers. The first thing is those people who have what we call long COVID, which is those people that are not recovering from COVID, the medical hypothesis that has been published is that it's a methylation issue. No way. Yes, it's a methylation issue. Oh so methyl, so I would love to understand, A, are these people with MTHFR polymorphisms the ones that are struggling? And yes, if you look at a susceptibility and your immune function is depressed because of lack of methylation and your ability to fight viruses and your ability to back up is that affected because you have a susceptibility? That's what the hypothesis is saying. Yes, mm-hmm. that's what that's the case. But, and I do believe that if your genes are in order, as you put it, then your ability to have an environmental trigger knock you off your feet is less. So think of it like this. And I use this analogy a lot because it's really simple to understand. Let's say you're in a car and you're driving down the freeway. And in your lane and only your lane, there's multiple potholes. Mm. And your car is getting really knocked around. Your tires are getting flat. Your suspension and your brakes are getting destroyed. And your car really is barely holding together. And sometimes your car breaks. Right. But if we come up and we actually get the workers to plug up those potholes with cement, then if you look after your car, doesn't matter what the age of the car is, you're going to tootle along quite well. Hmm. Now, 
a heavy, heavy storm comes along and hits you on that freeway. Okay. You're pretty well in the same boat as everybody else, right? Right, right. As long as the storm is not so catastrophic, it knocks the car out of the lane, you're still going to survive. You'll have to go carefully. You'll have to drive slower, but you will still survive the storm. And that's what I think about COVID. Okay. If we, and that's why technically on paper, it did not make sense why a fit 30 year old who runs every day um, and has no so called, no other conditions could die from it. And right. yet a 74 year old that had conditions did not. Right. Yes. And you're saying it's, we think maybe it's because of the folate. It's because of the methylation that methylation. got disturbed. And so it would yes. have been amazing to see if the people that were really in trouble and getting extremely sick and or dying, did they have MTHFR polymorphisms? I don't know if anyone's done the connection. Probably not. But the fact that a medical hypothesis has come up saying it could be a methylation deficiency, because one of the things that they were saying in this paper is that a key enzyme that takes that folate and shoves it into the other path, other um, cycle, is actually inhibited by a lack of B12. And mm -hmm. what the virus does is really knock around your B12 levels. So if someone has genetics around B12 where they can't make it or get it to the cell and they've got a virus on top, maybe they're not using their folate to really uh, add to their defense system. So I think there's multiple things going wow. on. I believe that genetic susceptibility will be the key to understanding how people recover from COVID and don't. And as well as get it, right? Well, I think everybody's probably susceptible to getting it because okay. we know that most people, well, a lot of people got it and didn't even know they had it. Ah, you're right. You're right. You know, so there were a lot of people they were calling super spreaders that had it but actually had no symptoms whatsoever. So they're the people that I would say their immune defense system and their methylation cycle was pretty damn healthy. Wow. So interesting. Well, Dr. Ladowski, um, thank you so much for your time and sharing. Is there something you can leave us with today that, that you know, can kind of wrap this up, put a little bow on it? Yeah, I think the key message from today is don't be afraid to find out where your genetic susceptibility lies. Right. Because it doesn't matter your age, as I keep saying, it doesn't matter. But understanding your susceptibility can, can completely change the direction of your health life, I believe. Because once you know where your deficiency lies, the exciting thing is plug it up. Plug it up and take what your body cannot naturally make. Love it. Yes. And don't, yeah, that's what we, I was with a bunch of women last night and 
they were complaining about feeling overweight and gaining weight and headaches and this and that. I'm like, okay, well, um, there's things you can do. Go get this test. Try this test. All the things that I'm sharing on the podcast, you included. And yeah, no, you know, and it's kind of like, why don't you want to know? And I really feel like people are scared to change, scared of the unknown of, well, I like my life the way it is. I'm not so sure, but I'm uncomfortable, but yeah. I know it. it, it I yes. Can- and I think we've got into this whole society of a one pill will fix everything. So give me exactly. a drug. And exactly. it's much harder to change your diet. It's much harder to take supplements every day. It's much harder to say, well, I'm not, I'm instead of buying a cake in the supermarket with folic acid, I've got to make my own. But that's right. what we've got to get back to. We've got to get back to the basics of knowing what you're eating and not just shoving something from a packet in your mouth and hoping that you're going to be okay. Because you know what? You're not going to be. It's so unless you actually change what you're doing, you're going to continue down that path you're going and it's, it's potentially going to get bad. And cause all kinds of health issues down the yeah. road. Everything from what? Breast cancer, weight gain, what else? Um, Parkinson's Neurological perhaps. dysfunction, d- early onset dementia, uh, sleep disturbances. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all things that we see commonly, but they are they are reversible. Would you say migraines and headaches too? We kind of oh my goodness, there's not yeah. one migraine or one headache I've never been able to fix, not fix. Really, absolutely, a hundred percent. And this no goes one, for men too. No, correct? Yes, men absolutely. Yes, okay. there's no reason someone should be putting up with headaches and migraines. None. I agree. And people just being put on medication for migraines is ridiculous when 99.9% of migraines can be fixed. That's amazing. That, I mean, yeah. that just says it all right there. You know, yeah, absolutely. You know, we should know. not be taking medication. Mm-mm. That It is fixable. It is reversible, 100%. PMS should not be happening. If you've got PMS or ever had PMS, there's something wrong. And I was, that's so funny you brought that up because I was thinking about asking you about that because my daughter has debilitating cramps and she goes, oh, my head, it could, my head, it could slay a walrus. And you're like, and I said to her, I don't think it should be that bad. Mine wasn't. No. That and and um, that's so because maybe her father, you, you maybe have her father the, you have a family history of breast cancer. So that already tells me she's not getting rid of toxic estrogen and <sighs> that's what's causing her PMS. All right, I'm getting her the test. We'll do we'll do one with young young McGuire woman <laughs> for for under the second wind, behind the second wind, <laughs> the first wind. Thank you so much, Dr. Carolyn. We'll have you back. We'll we'll talk about some more things that you're finding and discovering and relevant to our second wind audience. And until next time. Breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. 
Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.